Hey folks, welcome to another edition of The Electables. I am Doug Thornell. I am joined by my partner in crime, Adrian Elrod, and both of us are um, social distancing uh, ourselves. Uh, I am in Maryland, and Adrian is uh, in Arkansas. Adrian, good to hear your voice. How you doing? Yeah, you too. I'm I'm doing. I guess you know I'm doing well. I don't, to my knowledge, I'm not sick with Corona, um, and I'm just trying to keep myself quarantined and trying to also like not get super fat during this home <laughs> containment process. But um, other than that, I'm I'm good. You know, I just I have to say it's been inspiring to see so many Americans. Um, you know, a significant majority of Americans really come together and do the right thing and and stay home and stay separated from people and really try to you know do their part to fight this so that's been inspiring yeah totally i think that's right and you know i if um you know i think everyone needs to uh do what they can to stay healthy stay safe keep their friends and family members healthy um follow the guidelines of the cdc um and uh, and and don't panic. You know we're we're gonna get through this. It's obviously a very scary, uncertain time, but um, uh, you know I'm confident that we'll 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 get through it. And uh, definitely will be some tough times ahead, and there'll be some ups and downs. But um, I think folks just keep uh, keep focused on you know the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, and uh, I, I do think you know we're we're seeing all sorts of acts of kindness around this country. We're seeing acts of courage, you know, our medical professionals, our EMTs, our healthcare providers, nurses, all of them are, you know, they're putting their health and life on the line, um, to treat, uh, sick people right now. And my hat's off to them. Uh, and I'd also encourage there was, uh, there was a briefing today by, um, the White House and the Surgeon General uh, encouraged folks to give blood if they could. And so I, I want to put that out there. If, look up your local Red Cross. If you can donate some blood, they, they're in urgent need of it right now. Um, do what you can. Donate blood. Donate food. A lot of people are, are hurting right now and will be hurting. Yeah, I think that's a really great point. And, um, you know, people should be doing Whatever they can, I actually um, Venmoed a bunch of restaurant workers, bartenders in D.C. this morning in my neighborhood, uh, Washingtonian Magazine. If people go to my Twitter account, at Adrian Elrod, you'll see an article that I posted from Washingtonian Magazine where you can go through and find um, some of your local restaurants and some of the waiters and bartenders at those restaurants, and you can literally Venmo them directly. So I did that this morning because, to your point, Doug, I mean, right now I think we're still in this shock of what we're facing as a country. We still have not hit the hardest part yet. Uh, the worst part is yet to come, as we all know. But the after effects are what are devastating. Um, they are anticipating that 20% of the service industry will be laid off in the next week to two weeks. And making sure that those people are able to, um, you know, provide for themselves and, and get through this really tough time um, is so critically important. So, um, that's another good public service announcement. But, Dad, really quickly, I know we've got a guest coming up who I'm really excited Yeah, we do. Oh, we still got a few more minutes. Why don't we talk a little bit about how this is impacting the 2020 rates, how it's affecting 
especially the primary right now and some of the voters who, um, you know, are voting in states that either had delayed primaries or, you know, in the, in the situation in Ohio, for example, there was just so much confusion because the governor um, halted the elections literally, I think, at midnight the night before. So how do you think that's going to play out over the next few months? Do you think we're going to see more states delaying primaries? How do you think that works? Yeah, I do. I do think that you're going to see more states delaying primaries, maybe going to vote by mail. Um, you know, on this past Tuesday, uh, we're recording this on March 19th. This past Tuesday, there were uh, several contests, important contests in Florida and Georgia. Uh, I'm sorry, Florida and Arizona and Illinois, um, where uh, Joe Biden won pretty convincingly in all three states. Uh, but I, I expect that to be the last big you know, mini Super Tuesday that we're going to see. I, I, I don't think we're going to see a lot of states um, opening up uh, their, you know, opening up polling locations anytime soon, maybe in, maybe into, you know, potentially May or June. But, you know, this, this, this race right now, you know, if you look at it, you know, um, I think before coronavirus hit, uh, it was uh, it, Joe Biden was in control. Uh, he had he didn't have as firm a grip, but he was in control. Um, and now I think he's in complete control. He is at 1,181 delegates. Bernie Sanders is at 885. I don't see how Bernie can catch up to him. This is Joe Biden's nomination. I mean, right. mathematically, he can't. He would be. He's pretty much Bernie's in the same situation he was in in 2016, around this time where the only way that he could. Um, have even a fighting chance it would, would be to engage superdelegates and to, to play that well. And of course, one of the big changes that the DNC made this time around at the request of Bernie Sanders was to give superdelegates a lesser role, um, which we talked about quite a few times in this podcast, and to allow them to not vote until the second ballot. So that ironically could hinder, you know, further hinder Bernie Sanders' chances um, in this race. But at the same point, my understanding, and again, I don't want to get too far into speculation, but uh, the rumors out there are that he is um, working on wi- winding his campaign down. Um, he's pulled down a lot of his Facebook ads. Um, he's not um, asking for donations and some of the email solicitations he's sending out. And it's just a matter of time until that probably happens. So really quickly, I want to introduce a special guest that we have today, Paul Tincher, a very dear friend of both of ours, I guess a dear friend of the electables. Um, Paul has managed a number of Senate races in battleground states, Indiana, Massachusetts, um, and, of course, Michigan, the ultimate battleground state. So, Paul, welcome to the Electables. Thanks, guys. I'm just glad that Dougie's non-Hollywood best friend could finally make it on the podcast. (laughs) You finally made it, my friend. You finally made it. We were just looking for the right time. And uh, a pandemic seemed to be the best time to bring uh, Paul Tencher on the show. When I think Paul, I think pandemic. So let's do this. <laughs> well, Paul, really quickly, I just want to kick this off by, you know, talking about, you know, you're, you and I are both consultants. We have our own clients. We actually share a client, World War Zero, John Kerry's climate change organization. How do you think the next few weeks or even few months are going to play out for those of us um, who work remotely for organizations that rely on donors? To fund their organizations that are in, that are organizations that do, don't exactly portend to the coronavirus or to any sort of imminent 
um, threat that we're currently facing, although I would I would certainly say that climate change is consistently an imminent threat. How do you think the next few months are going to play out? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, as a strategy professional and someone that takes the political hat off, you know, businesses are going through the same thing. And I think that nonprofits and political organizations need to think about this in the long run. And so uh, we were lucky that Secretary Kerry built World War Zero in a way that digital, digital organizing, digital persuasion was the focus of the organization. And so uh, we, we created something uh, for the long haul, not knowing that that's where everyone would have to go. And so I think we're leaps and bounds ahead of everyone. Um, but organizations are, are going to have to find new ways, new ways to invest. Uh, talking to campaigns, um, we, we've been really pressuring them to put as much money into digital acquisition as possible. Uh, people are going to be sitting around at home. They're actually going to read those stupid emails that you get at the end of the quarter because uh, they don't have anything else to do. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, for, for, for most of us in, in either the, the, the political world, nonprofit world, uh, there's a break even point for those uh, for, for acquiring those those donors. And so, uh, you know, May or June is when we typically start laying off anyway, but I think you're going to see a big shift into the online donor community. Uh, and from what I'm hearing, you know, that that has not kind of fell off a cliff. Uh, I think um, with fundraisers unable to be held and, and the technology problems that are uh, obviously seeing from the Biden campaign and others, um, it's going to be harder to do the in-person stuff. And so the, the uh, second quarter of the year will really, um, really, really be the pinch, I think, for most of us. And so investing in in old school things like direct mail uh, and, and, and acquisition, obviously a newer thing, is going to be very important uh, come, come second or third quarter of this year. Paulie, uh, you've run and won two uh, huge Senate races in, in uh, Indiana and Michigan, um, and uh, you've been a chief of staff to uh, Ed Markey, Senator Ed Markey from Massachusetts. You've done just about everything in politics. Um, I'm just curious if you were a manager for maybe not necessarily a presidential race, but just a candidate running right now, what, what's the advice you would give them uh, during this time? Personalize it. Um, I think that every person uh, in the Senate or the House has a story about how this has affected their lives. And I think it's really, really important for people to talk about that. I think that there will be plenty of time to talk about how Trump really screwed the pooch on this one. Uh, and how Republicans need to be held accountable uh, for, for obvious and serious missteps in preparing for a pandemic. I mean, these are people that cut the CDC budget uh, in a huge way over the last three years, especially when we were sitting, when I was sitting there in the, in the U.S. Senate. Um, but this is about personalizing uh, it to candidates. Joe Biden is the best when he talks about Bo. We all know that. Uh, and so that's a really important thing um, for every candidate to get. Um, I think a lot of candidates are doing it really well. We see a lot of town halls out there, tele-town halls out there right now. They're bringing in medical uh, experts to talk to constituents who just want information. We are a high information society now. And so even those of us that are, those of those people that are over, you know, over 60 are still looking for information. You know, we see a younger, a surge in younger watchers of the, of the nightly news, which hadn't occurred in years. Um, but th- that's all well and good. We really need our candidates to personalize stories. So, you know, whether it's a, you know, a candidate who, who couldn't go visit their mom, uh, on her birthday because she was in a nursing home or uh, a, a, a mom who's a candidate who's running, who's, uh, who's scared because she doesn't have childcare for childcare for her children. Um, we really need to watch the personalization of this uh, to show Americans, to show your voters that we're all in this together. 
that's such a great point, Paul. I mean, you're obviously a very experienced campaign hand because you are thinking ahead and thinking how the next few you know weeks are going to look like and how some of these politicians, elected officials, can really capitalize on this moment, not in, a, not in a bad way, but in a way to really showcase the humanitarian aspect of this and how it's affecting everybody. Um, Paul, in terms of businesses and, and, you know, going back to some of the nonprofits that we talked about, what do you think are some good ways that organizations can stay in touch with the constituents that they're reaching out to, right? So, like, for example, World War Zero, we have um, a client that we both share. We have a number of people who have signed up as, quote-unquote, enlistees online. And now these people are sitting around at home looking for things to do. I think especially after this week, once the sort of the shock wears off of what we're facing and the reality sets in that this could be, um, you know, maybe even more than a few weeks. It could be, it could be a few months um, while we're um, quarantined at home. How do you think organizations can use this time to effectively communicate to the people that they serve and that they um, are reaching out to? You know, I think a lot of this will be based on policy. And so organizations you're seeing are either popping up or, or, or out there need to focus on, on um, advocating for their communities. And so uh, I saw David, Chef, Chef Chang, uh, who grew up right, you know, right outside of where Dougie uh, grew up uh, in Northern Virginia, um, is, you know, speaking uh, truth to power about how uh, any sort of um, stimulus package uh, must include things for workers, not just for big companies, especially those that gave up a lot of cash uh, uh, in, in fairly greedy ways. And so I think that uh, organizations need to have a plan. They need to have a way to communicate that plan, uh, and they really need to know what will be most effective. And so, um, you know, what, what, what I would, um, you know, tell people, especially someone uh, who, you know, David Chang's big point is that when the president brought in uh, you know, the restaurant industry or the tourism and hospitality industry, which is uh, about five times the size of, 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 of you know, the, uh, the, the, the um, uh, cruise industry. Um, he only brought in, you know, the big guys. And that's great. The National Restaurant Association is important. Uh, Federation is important um, uh, because they employ so many people. Um, but the independent, you know, the, the stories of independent restaurateurs are not being told. Now you're seeing people do that on their own. And, and I'm a foodie, so I love these guys. And it's something that's really near and dear to my heart. Um, but people like Danny Meyer, who, who uh, you know, had to lay off 2,000 people, but is considered a really good good guy in the, in, in the culinary world, people like Chef Chang, uh, you know, you're starting to see the Nancy Silvertons of the world. He's really uh, Tom Colicchio, uh, you know, but, but it all seems a little mm-hmm. kind of disjointed, disjointed. And so I think that if they're going to go out and really advocate for their workers and they're not, by the way, none of these people are saying save my restaurant. They're saying help, help my workers, uh, yeah. help, the, help the industry, help the industry. They really need to know what they want and how they're going to communicate that. And so I think those are the two important things for, for, for organizations out there that, that are really trying to do some good for the people that, that depend on them. So, um, Paul, uh, as someone who has been, um, you know, who's, who's worked in the Senate where I think a lot of people are watching what's happening in the Senate right now. What is your anticipation of what actually occurs over the next four or five days? Um, you've been a chief of staff. You know all the conversations that are occurring right now. Um, there's a major stimulus bill, number three, that is likely to be coming vo- voted out of the Senate. W- what are you looking for? And for a lot of these organizations that we're talking about, 
you know, what are the types of things that they should be thinking about as they're, you know, trying to make sure that they get protected? I think first and foremost, we're all always former staffers. And so, you know, it might be a hot take, but I think you're going to see um, a, a really scary time, first and foremost, with the health of members. Um, we have two members now tested uh, positive for uh, for the coronavirus in the House. Uh, if you watch the awesome Washington Post statistics uh, kind of cartoon or, or digital graphic that they did last week, um, that those little bouncing balls hitting each other uh, in, in a chamber of 435 and 100 on the other side, I'm, I'm very worried. Uh, about members and their health. And so I think you're seeing, you know, people like, like Chairman Jim McGovern today thinking about how we can do things remotely. Um, that would be my first and foremost concern. Um, these are mostly, you know, I think the average age in the Senate is over 65. And I think the average age in the House is probably pretty close to that too. And so, um, I, I'm, I'm really worried about a push, uh, a pandemic in Congress. Uh, and so I would think that, uh, you're going to see the Sergeant at Arms take some really, uh, important steps, uh, that probably should have been taken already. Uh, and worrying about the members is going to become uh, paramount, not because they're more important, but because we have to have, you know, some sort of um, some sort of stability in, of government. Um, but, you know, I think when it comes to the policy, you know, you're going to see the lobbyists all run downtown. And I guess they're going to have to do it on their telephones or uh, or some other way on their Zoom. Um, but we have to make sure, especially on the Democratic side, that this package really helps workers. So, you know, a payroll tax is something um, that does no impact when people don't have payroll. Right. Uh, you know, we, and so we need to make sure industries uh, that are important, like the auto industry, certainly airlines industry is important, um, have have the, the, the stimulus they need to continue functioning because it's important to our economy. But but it has to have restrictions. This can't be a Wall Street bailout, especially because the problem is not the cash. The problem is the continuity. And so uh, I think Elizabeth Warren has has, has uh, put out a very good plan that you're seeing Schumer um, mirror uh, and repeat a lot, although I know a lot of members have had input to, to the statement that the leader is putting out. And so, you know, you go back to things that are very popular. Buybacks and stocks are a very bad thing. I mean, these people are uh, using their cash to boost their stock price. And we have to make sure that um, people understand that the next time you need to keep cash around for a reason, just like just like any small business does, uh, just like any family does. You, you, you know, it's, I, I've seen people post, why are we asked to save three months, but businesses aren't? And that's, that's going to be a question that corporate America is going to have to answer. That's such a good point. Um, so, Paul, if you were advising a member of Congress or a Senate candidate or even a member of the United States Senate right now about sort of how to handle yourself from a PR standpoint over the next few weeks, how to make sure that you are taking care of things in Washington, but also reassuring your your constituents at home without trying to be overly political, I guess, or maybe you should be overly political. I don't know. Like, how would you advise um, your boss? at this stage of the game. Yeah, I think anything that's not talking about Corona and response is tone deaf. And so um, I, I know that some Republicans have kind of uh, said, you know, well, we're going to, uh, you know, we're not going to do uh, politics at a moment like this. Well, everything's politics. And so uh, there are some interesting moments in Senate races across the country, certainly House races. The Senate is the thing I'm most uh, interested in and, and know enough about. And so I think that we need to, again, personalize. Uh, I think that we need to hold people accountable, although that might come a little bit later on. Um, but I, I do believe that, you know, going out and, 
and, uh, and, and getting to constituents, answering questions, making sure social media uh, is really focused on the resources, whether it's where kids in the city you represent get a free meal or how um, internet, you know, internet companies are, are um, where people can go to get free internet for, for families that, that can't afford it so that kids can, uh, can, can distance learn. Um, those are important things. So pushing out information in this age is really important. Uh, and just getting out there. And a lot of members, both sides of the aisle, are doing great video messages. I know a lot of members are doing teletown hall meetings. Um, and so I would say uh, be as, uh, as as functional as possible uh, to show people that, that you're in charge, um, but also that, that you are affected just like them. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're all in this together. Paul, I know we only have a few more minutes, um, but I just wanted to get your thoughts on the 2020 contest right now. Um, you know, clearly Joe Biden is in complete control of this nomination battle right now. He's got a insurmountable delegate lead. Um, what do you what occur, what needs to occur over the next you know few weeks, month or so to to unify the party so that we can go into the general election as strong as we possibly can? Yeah, Joe Biden's our nominee, and uh, people need to wake up to that reality, especially those that um, might 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 have wanted another candidate. But I think Joe Biden uh, is you know the the stories are told that 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 um, that Senator Sanders has a hard time hitting you know Senator Biden because he's one of the few people that was actually nice to him in the U.S. Senate, uh, and I think that's true. And so I think that. Um, that the vice president has always known exactly which buttons to push uh, politically to make sure people understand that they're being listened to. Uh, it's a really important thing that I think Senator Sanders is going to have an open ear to, and certainly his supporters. Uh, and, um, you know, the secretary, secretary, excuse me, Vice President Biden is someone that really has spent a career listening. He's em empathetic. Uh, and so I think that he is going to set the lead for our party where we can come together. I'm not quite sure we're going to have a, have a convention. Uh, Adrian would know more about that than I would, but, um, you know, is it a needed thing at this point? <laughs> It'll be us from our dining rooms. Exactly. Exactly. I'll, I'll bring the <laughs> wine. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's something I think that would bring us together, but I'm not sure we need it now because it wouldn't be in a brokered convention. I mean, can you guys believe what it would be like if, you know, we still had 35, 25, 17, 18, uh, you know, going into these states with four or five different candidates and we had to have a convention in July, that would have been uh, a real mess. Um, but, you know, Joe Biden's our nominee. He's going to be a really strong nominee. He's brought on some incredible people to bolster his team. Uh, Jen, Jen O'Malley Dillon is going to, you know, run a tight ship He's over amazing. there. Amazing. Uh, yeah. And we're, mm -hmm. we're, we're all looking forward to, to doing the hard stuff uh, and focusing on uh, Donald Trump, who who every single day gives us a, a reason to unify. I was just going to say, let's not forget the team that they had on board before Jen joined. Anita Dunn, Kate Bedingfield, Greg Schultz. You know, they were there when this campaign was written off as dead. Uh, and they really turned it around along with the candidate. Oh, absolutely. Kate Bedingfield, Greg Schultz, Anita Dunn. I mean, they've got they had a really incredible team and still have that team in place. The one thing I just want to say before we have to jump here is that when it, when it comes to the convention, the challenge um, in terms of figuring out what to do is that right now, at least, there is there is not a place, there's not a mechanism in place to allow um, delegates to vote remotely. And you still, according to party rules, have to vote in the nominee. 
So that is the question. And, you know, do they do something where, and again, this is me without any information, this is just, you know, speculative, but do they do something where they have, um, you know, small clusters of people go into an area and vote for whom they're supporting? Like, how do they handle this, you know, with the um, crowd size limitations? And, you know, at that point, we still might be doing social distancing. I don't know. It's in July. Um, so, so that's going to be a challenge, but you know, it's the least of our, I think the least of our concerns right now, Mo- yeah, most and, importantly, and, and from, to keep everyone safe. And from the eighties conventions have been a time to rally troops, get our message out. And so, you know, maybe we do regional conventions or Joe Biden can go to four or five regions throughout the country yeah. and more press based on that. Um, we, we, exactly. we're, we're Democrats. We should be more forward thinking. And I'm sure the team that Tom Perez has put up, you know, put together over there will, We'll figure it out with really, really smart people. Agree. Well, Paul, thank you so much for dialing in today. We appreciate it. Thanks, Paulie. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you later. Okay, talk to you soon. Bye-bye. For my partner in crime, Adrian Elrod, this is Doug Thornell. This has been another edition of The Electables, and we will catch you next time.